Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Bree. And today we have joining us once again is Thule author Stacy Actor. Stacy, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be back. Well, it's so good to have you back. And today in our episode, we are talking fake November for November's Books Club episode. I was thinking a lot about this yesterday as we were kind of prepping ideas to talk about. I feel like like a year ago, maybe a year ago-ish, I was seeing a lot of people talk about how they were kind of tired of the fake romance tropes. So what are y'all's thoughts? I mean, I do feel like, you know, the last couple of years, especially, I feel like we did see a lot of... those tropes. So I could kind of see what people were talking about. But at the same time, I think it's like a God tier trope. (laughs) What are y'all's thoughts? Go ahead, Stacey. So it's interesting because like, there are so many different like the fake like the fake trope is a so big like it's it's such a wide category and encompasses it encompasses a lot, right? You've got fake dating, you've got fake engagement, and then the subsection and then you know, you've got the subsection of contract related stuff tying into those things to keep those fake situations like clear and obvious. And I think like there's a sensibility to it that changes over time. People are getting really like very analytical about it, if that makes sense. They're finding um, specifics in the tropes to kind of analyze in the context of the of the of the of the books, and I think that makes it different. I think it makes it fun, and I think it makes it sort of like where these characters know exactly what's going on and what they're trying to accomplish, and how they end up fake fails and why. What's a book you've read recently or within the last couple of years that fits the description you just shared? So the book that I actually like brought with me today to read, you know for the for for the podcast is Mia Henselman's The Friendship Contract. Oh, okay. so good. One of the things I loved is the use of the contract in particular. The contract is really not about the sort of the fakeness of the relationship that they're engaging in for public view and the fact that they don't even want to do that. The contract itself is to protect the friendship and the various inca- incarnations of the contract that they go through throughout the course of the book reflects their desire to maintain this friendship that has been that has become so important to them and because they're attorneys at each stage they are very self-aware and they analyze this contract well, and course. it's really interesting yeah. to watch them do it. It's 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 kind of it was actually like one like as you know as I was looking through it in terms of trope questions like that's my favorite part of the trope interaction with the book is that they're very sort of like okay here we are this is little nuts let's just figure this out and it forces them to actually sort of deal with their feelings and also the feelings that they're trying to regulate for lack of a better word. Okay, so why did they need like the fake part of the rom like whatever the fake romance trope is in the book like why. Why did they need that? Our female main character, Allegra, is just coming off of a relationship that she thought was about to end in an engagement. But instead, oh what she found was a ring that belongs to someone else. <gasps> okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Mia. <laughs> Yeah, and it was like, and just out of complete coincidence, this is right around the time where she was supposed to take this potential fiance to her brother's wedding. Okay, and now okay. she's without a plus one, and her male best friend, who is the main male character in this book, who she's loved for, who who they've had this kind of like mutual underpinning of of feelings of what that she's never analyzed that he's been in love with her for years, um, is who she takes as this plus one 
to this wedding. And they, mm-hmm. on the plane to Honolulu, to Hawaii, to where this, this wedding is taking place, she pulls out a pa- piece of paper and is like, this relationship is too important for me. Like, I want a friend, a contract that sort of preserves our friendship. Okay, so it has, like, best friends and fake, the fake romance part of it, which mm-hmm. mm, is always such an interesting dynamic, I think. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Like, and also, like, it, it goes into the question of, like, you think about what happens with people who don't know each other well, right? Who are shoved into a fake relationship. In a lot of cases, like, I, I think about this all the time, like, they become fake relationship fails because they get to know each other as people or at least the best sides of each other during the period of time where they are in this fake fake or contracted situation people who don't know each other people who do know each other i should say like whether they're people who were who had dated before or whether people who had um were just best friends for years they have this sort of benchmark in their head of like how their interactions with this other person will go so there's sort of sometimes this mental like boundary between them in a lot of ways you know like they're not going to fail at this this fake relation, this sort of altered contractual situation of a relationship because they know each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They know how these interactions are going to go. And of course, this never happens. Do y'all think that like, okay, conflict wise, do you feel like there is stronger conflict when you add in the extra like trope or element of, okay, this is like my childhood best friend and like they know me already, but like we don't want to ruin the friendship or whatever versus do you think there's more conflict when you add in like, okay, this is like my boss or, you know, some person that I met on a dating app or something. I don't know. Like, which one do you think brings like an extra, like strong layer to the story? I wouldn't say it's so much about the conflict as it would be the stakes involved. Yeah, stakes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the childhood best friend, you have the potential of losing that friendship, uh, like in the friendship contract they've come up with these contracts and versions of this contract to save their their childhood friendship to make sure that doesn't end fully aware that the relationship the romantic relationship might end uh, and then uh, your same point like the boss uh, that person could lose the best job they've ever had and the boss could lose the best employee they've ever had while they take a chance on on pretending to to be in a relationship for xyz reasons do you feel like when you think of like fake romances that you've read in the past isn't it usually like the stakes think that you kind of remember the most because it's the reason that it all has to happen in the first place right it it depends i i've actually yeah. pulled a few a uh, few different examples of fake relationships and, and it made me think about how there's they can be structured so differently there's there's a lot of different reasons for the fake relationship existing in the first place there's uh internal reasons or I don't guess not internal. Usually an external reason, right? Yeah. So, right. So it could be like they, they need a date to go somewhere and it's simple as that. Or in the case of the cowgirl surprise match with Nina Crespo, these two characters have to fake an engagement to hide a wedding for a couple that they know that is kind of the celebrities involved. So the press is snooping around and they're playing distraction essentially for (laughs) to make sure that you know the the press doesn't just swarm this town and ruin their wedding. Yeah, I was I was reading a blog yesterday <clears throat> and the blogger kind of wrote some like fake romance 
you know, topics or whatever. And she said a reason a lot of times is reputation and pride. And I thought about it like Laurel Greer has her next Harlequin special edition coming out called Lights, Camera, Wedding. And it's like the heroine gets dumped like within the first couple of pages of the book. But she's on this like reality wedding show. And she does, you know, going home to do this whole wedding thing. Like she can't show up <laughs> with, without, you know, a partner. So that's when her best friend, best enter the best friend trope, you know, she kind of wins him over like, let's do this together because I can't show up. I have to do this show kind of thing. And of course, there's reasons, you know, there's money involved and that'll help, you know, her business and stuff like that. So I, I really, I was like, when I read that yesterday, I was like, yeah, it, it usually is reputation or pride. Like the book that I read um, to talk with you all about was Wearing His Ring Till Christmas by Nina Singh. And it starts off, it has two New Yorkers, but they meet in Bali. And the heroine, like she is going to be like a hotel heiress. So she comes for money, but like she's working as like a maid in a hotel, like just kind of making her her own way because she loves to travel. Well, a friend that she met over there needed like emergency, needed to get back to the States. So she like gave her all her money. So when she meets the hero, he needs like an Italian translator because there's some Italian businessmen that he's meeting over there and he doesn't know Italian. So when he overhears her, he's like, if you help me, I'll pay for you to go back to the States to be with your family for Christmas kind of things. Um, I mean, and you get all of that kind of like right off the bat and then everything else kind of goes in motion. But I was like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty simple, pretty standard. But I think just depending on the writer and again, like the stakes, like, okay, she wants to go home for Christmas and he wants to help his business get off off the ground, like pretty, pretty simple stuff there. But then you see everything, you know, go in motion and it just kind of picks up from there, I think. So then one of the notes that I took down was it works best when both characters are unlikely for a relationship at the time like what do you all think about that i yeah that seems that seems to fit pretty pretty solidly in at least all the uh selections that i i picked out here so going back to your original question of is it a tired trope this harlequin blaze that i read it's take me by cherry adair it had the billionaire needs to get married to to get money for x reason and i can see how that i can see how some would think that that was a tired trope that for some reason there's so many billionaires out there that are that have these ironclad contracts involved in inheritance or or whatever it is business negotiations that that are bent on marriage that that's that's the most important thing that that needs to happen for them to get whatever it is they need so yeah i think i actually think that that's that's the larger question like you've got the stakes right whether it's personal whether it's it's larger sort of world-based stakes in terms of like what these people go into these fake relationships wanting but it's also this mindset of one or both of these characters have has to i think both be thinking about this idea of i'm not in the mood for i don't want a relationship right yeah like there has to be some tangible actual reason why that's not possible whether they're workaholics and busy like crazy whether they are still healing from another relationship whether they're just not in the mood to confront the actual aspects of dating 
you know, you go back to like the Mia Henselman book, like Allegra has just come from this, like, you know, relationship that she thought was going to end in marriage. Granted, she she comes to other realizations about their relationship throughout the course of the story. But but the bottom line is that she's dealing with this breakup. And the last thing she needs in this universe in her head is another relationship. Yeah. Like that's how she goes into it. And I think like unlikely for sure, but I think also like this, this idea of this mental block against marriage or relationships. And part of that is the journey that the characters go through in the story. Side note, the conversations about a reality show wedding make me, made me remember one of Cam Jackson's books from like, oh gosh, like the heroine, the heroine, um, I want to say like she was the producer of the show or like she, she was trying to organize and then all of a sudden the relationship fell apart and she was stuck in the middle like what do I do how do I freaking deal with the show and then Mm. she's like I'm just gonna do it myself and I forget the title of the book because it's gonna drive me nuts for the next however long Uh, reputation it's whose reputation is it right Uh, talking about reality shows parental guidance by Avery Flynn it was all based around this promotion for the uh, app called Bramble I think is what it was called it was a new dating app that was you know hitting the city and and these are two main characters are actually set up their parents go on the app for them and set them up for each other <laughs> and they they have to uh, I guess they don't have to but they choose to do this for uh, promotion for for this app but of course you know each character has some of their own reasons the uh, the male main character is a uh, uh, hockey player who's got gotta have to has to recover his uh, reputation as a, as a playboy and uh, I think the female main character was uh, I can't remember what her conflict was but needing to make good uh, needing to make amends with her mother or something like that i was thinking about movies and stacy i know you're a holiday made for tv movie watcher too yes, yes. um i cannot remember the title of this one that came on hallmark last year but it was with tyler hines and i can't remember the actress's name and they had broken up and he never told his family yeah and they both returned to their small town and he's just like i just really need- I, ca- I can't remember all the stakes but it was really just like i need you to play along with me for yes, this was- and like they gave her a place to stay and all of that and I was like huh I really like that kind of spin on it as well like you know a couple that's actually been together before yes and like they were like yeah she was wasn't she a speech one of them was a speechwriter, and like yeah yeah and part of the politician's appearance was the grovel or something like that which was, which was fantastic or like they had to go or something but yeah no it was it was it was a really really interesting trope and like how how they not only like were revisiting what had happened to them um, in the process of the story, like dealing with their past. And then all of a sudden something happens and it's that, and then they had the chance to make the right choices, which was really, really yeah. great. So it was like a fake sort of second chance, but not actually, I think. Yeah. I mean, in a way it's, I mean, I guess it's always lying, but the yeah, whole time but... I was like, you guys are lying to these people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was listening. I've never watched this movie, but I was listening to oh another another romance podcast this morning, and the the author that was being interviewed was talking about while you were sleeping, and I was like, I guess I need to watch this movie. Oh, you haven't seen while you were sleeping? Haven't like revoke my rom com card, you guys. (laughs) So I'm like, now I need to watch it to go on, you know, stay on brand with like fake romances. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's no, it's like um. While you were sleeping is so classic because, like, you know, she says that um, the guy in the bed is her fiance, and yet she falls for the brother who is Bill Pullman, and it's kind of amazing. Um, 
like the course of the story is just really, really, it's, it's just epic and classic and watching the two of them fall in love and be like, how do we deal with this? What have we told our family? He is the golden boy. I am not. And it's like, it's, it's, it's just so, so classic. But I was also thinking about um, what's wrong with Secretary Kim, mm, which is okay. a Korean drama, which has kind of a slight alteration on the um, on the contract relationship situation. Basically, like our heroine, Secretary Kim, has been with this with her boss for a long time. And she's finally decided I'm done. Like, this is it. I need a life. And so he's like, how can I make you stay? And she's like, well, I um, part of my life problem is that I haven't dated anyone. I haven't like explored life outside this office and I need to do that. And he's like, so you mean if I date you, you'll stay? And it takes a while and the story unfolds and it's gorgeous. I'm probably not explaining it the best, but, um, it's just a really, really wonderful story. And you realize that both of these two characters have been hiding feelings for each other and he's been, they've been protected. They've been protect, like protective of each other. And they've been like, in love for the longest time and it's just gorgeous it's just a really beautiful yeah. story and i'm really not doing the explanation justice but it's that sort of no, you're fine <laughs> we can all google it yeah yes well then i think part of the funness of these tropes is in it kind of turns into like forced proximity close proximity right because you're trying to keep up this ruse um and i think that's when you get those moments where it's like huh i don't know like the lines are really blurry this is kind of awkward i don't know how fake this is is anymore yeah they're stuck yeah. in that situation and they don't know what they're doing and it's like you know it's that that's another way of increase like you're talking about stakes before and that's another way of increasing those stakes like the tension and the stakes and the sort of the idea of like them being asking like they're you know sort of like engaging their emotions like and so for some of them for the first time and they're like wait a second is this real is this yeah. fake exactly you know as you were saying like this sort of idea of like they can't get away from each other but they're like wait a second what's going on here and i think that like you know that realization is one of my favorite parts of those books when they're just like wait a or those movies when this happens and they're just like wait a second this is actually real well i mean we're all book lovers here i mean stacy you're an author so i mean like do you all feel i feel like we're gonna definitely pick one side here but i just have to ask like is there ever a time where it translates better on film to you than in books or is it always like is this a trope specifically where it's like it just works so much better reading it i think it depends Okay. On who's responsible for it? Whose hands is this in? What are they exploring? You know, are they clear about the stakes? Have they given you a fresh way to to look at it? Have has the author like made you think about it, or the the screenwriter made you think about fake relationships in general in a new way? You know, like what's what's going on? You know, and I so that yeah. So I guess I'm like I like them both in the be mm -hmm. in but depending on whose hands we're in, right? Like if you can suck me into a good story and make me believe what's going on whether it's a movie or a television show or a book i'm in but if you can't <laughs> you know I, well with books you have to it's it's a different approach that you have to take with the different mediums so with with books you are allowed to be inside each character's head uh, quite frankly you should be inside each character's head and the revelation of oh i actually love this person and the conflict and everything is a lot of internal dialogue or internal thought by these characters and that, that struggle there within themselves. On film, you have to show it in, in some way, in some visual 
away, uh, you know, usually, usually there's a montage involved of, <laughs> you know, like the, uh, like this, you know, the, the winter scene in Beauty and the Beast cartoon, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. we love a montage. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, those I guess it's like... just that, yeah, it, if it's done, if it's done well, it really doesn't matter. Uh, like um, going back to while you were sleeping, you really felt the two characters falling in love as that story progressed. And you really felt that tension because, you know, this this guy's whole family is is essentially watching them the whole time. Okay. I feel like a lot of, I mean, we, we chatted a little bit about weddings recent, like earlier, but like, I feel like a lot of fake dating specifically, eh, I guess there's a lot of fake engagements and stuff too, but I feel like I read a lot of fake dating and it's always something involved with a wedding. What is it with us as romance readers that we're like craving these stories set in the world of a wedding that's happening? Like, why are these so intertwined, do you think? Brie, have you ever had to go to a wedding by yourself? It's- I've actually never like been to a wedding as an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's, unless you are really good friends with the friend group there, it is such an awkward situation just hanging oh my out gosh, is by it? yourself. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, guys. I've never <laughs> been to a wedding as an adult. <laughs> And also, like, it's it's a place that's such ripe for stakes, right? Like, stakes and pressure. Like, if you're a friend, if you're a family member, too, like, it's awkward as heck, right? Like, it's, aw- it's awkward being, like, a friend, but it's also awkward being a family member because your family is watching you and maybe, like, the bride or the groom, you know, whatever, whoever sibling you might be, family member you might be, is taking a little too much of an interest in your dating life as they head towards their wedding, you know, or maybe your family is watching you way too deeply considering there is someone in your family who was getting married and the question becomes why aren't you getting married you know it's it's this need to be like i need to stop them from doing this because this pressure is driving me banana pants you know yeah. so ha- having that plus one with you is kind of kind of armor against all, <laughs> all, <laughs> all the questioning exactly going forward what do we want or like what do we think how do how do we think these tropes are going to grow and evolve as time goes on well i think it's going to be trying to turn the trope on its head or mix it up a little bit so Pippa Roscoe has a book. I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming out soon, but it's the uh, the wife the Spaniard never forgot. Oh yeah, I think it's like a January release. I think. Okay, and it's a the so it's it's an estranged married couple, but the husband fakes amnesia to try and get his his wife to come back and, and you know nurse him back to uh, health or or whatever oh but she's fully aware that he's faking it oh gosh it's, <laughs> so there's there's you know all sorts of tension just built in right away but it has a, a fake element to it and that uh, that cherry dare take me blaze how that one starts is it's the it's the prologue where the rich man propositions the waitress at the 24 hour diner it's like hey just get married to me i'll give you you know five million dollars or whatever and then we just go our separate ways and they they do that but they never get divorced and it's like 10 years later 
that she decides she wants a baby and she's she's going to make sure she has a baby, but, you know, her husband's baby. And she fakes oh this whole oh new appearance. <laughs> like, you know, she had, you know, the dyed hair and everything. And she was young when she was the waitress. And now she's, you know, grown up a bit and, and has her natural hair color. And she pretends to be, you know, well, she has money now. So she's, you know, just the socialite at this party that um, is, you know, uh, flirting and teasing with him and just driving him nuts, essentially because because she's got to she's got to wait till she's ovulating before they have their their one night oh stand God. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she's got to keep him at bay for you know <laughs> a couple weeks and you know, she she moved too early I mean, tell me you're ablaze without telling me you're ablaze. Seriously, <laughs> oh my gosh. I miss those. I mean, so even much. hearing you two talk about the Mia book, it, she it sounds like she took that 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 like really important thing I think we always see with like uh best friends dating or you know, best friends to lovers, like that, like we don't want to ruin the friendship part of it. So like they wrote the contract into it. It's like she took that and like I know that this is something we all typically see as them worrying about. So they're going to actually tackle this in the book. And that just sounds so brilliant and fun. No, it was it was it was really, really fantastic to see it like and how very clear they were about what this contract was and what was so important to both of them. And that was codified in this contract. And like, as I said, because both and, you know, both characters were attorneys, like there was an extra element to it just a really, really great book in general. And I loved how that was incorporated into it. As a writer and a reader, Stacey, like how do you think the trope will or should like grow and evolve over the next couple of years? So we talked about weddings. And one of the things that I think about a lot is how specifically certain, shall we say, wedding, wedding, certain cultures in weddings have been focused in on stories. And I kind of have a bit of a personal interest in seeing other cultures and their wedding traditions demonstrated. Yeah. So, for example, um, you know, fake dating around weddings that are non-Christian, you know, I, you know, a Muslim author, um, I know, um, Hindu author, like, I love to see all of all of those traditions tied into the fake dating trope. I know Jackie Glau has a book about um, a couple that meets at a wedding. And it's, it, it's ridiculous and wild and insane. Um, so I love Jackie Glau's books. But um, like, I want to see it sort of I want to see that trope tied with um, other cultures and I want to see the, the sort of like the intrinsic sort of tension involved when families get involved. Definitely. Um, yeah. But I also want to see the trope tied to other things as well. Like I love the idea of tying it to a best friend. I love the idea of tying it to like things that we don't normally see, you know, sort of the visible like conversation about what this trope actually, the questions of what this trope actually is asking about characters and their relationships. Love it. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense in any way, shape or form? It does. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely, I mean, the, the wedding setting is so fun, I feel like, but it would be really cool to see it just different. I mean, I, I don't know, give me some, some Indian romance, uh, you know, Indian weddings, African weddings, like, let's just see it differently. I think that'll yeah. be a simple but fun way to keep the mm-hmm. trope going and not tiresome, like not tire it out. I mean, I think we have to just give different characters the opportunity to show us like their experience. Exactly. Yeah, because and there's there's, um, you know, it's not specific to 
outside of Western culture, because it's kind of in Western culture as well, but the the older sibling still being single at the younger sibling's wedding. Ooh, that's good. That is is definitely tension. Oh, boy. Well, I I know last time we talked, Stacey, you shared that you're working on a new series. Yeah. So remind us all again, like, what's going on with it? How far into it are you? When can we expect book one? What's up? So book one, uh, The B'nai Mitzvah Mistake, um, comes out on June 1st, 2023. Um, It's the story of two people who are forced to share a B'nai Mitzvah date as adults. Uh, One, a retired hockey player who wants to create an organization for Jewish hockey players. The other, a project manager who's working at a Jewish um, philanthropic organization. And he is the one who, shall we say, diverted, destroyed, whatever, her sister's career. Um, And book two, which is my work in progress, is called The Dating Contract where um, the heroine's younger sister from B'nai Mitzvah Mistake um, enters into a dating contract with the guy who's writing Ketubah, which is the sort of central Jewish document for a wedding um, for her older sister's wedding, who also happens to be her high school, her the, the, the high school boyfriend that went wrong. Okay. Okay. So we can get, we're going to get book one in June. Okay. I well, we are so excited. You'll have to like definitely come back and talk about the books once they are out. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, always, I mean, are you working on one of them now or what? Like, which one are you working on? I am working on the dating contract right now. Um, okay, and then book three is um, either going to be dreams and dreidels or the dreidel disaster. And oh gosh, those are such fun it. titles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You put disaster in the title, and I feel like we're just like okay, swipe. <laughs> Yeah. We're not sure what the title is going to be. Um, That's the next book I start working on. Um, It's, it's partially based on a story I saw years and years ago about um, a menorah made out of hockey sticks. Okay. Intrigued. And it's going to be interesting. It's going to be like, like, it's going to be looking at sort of all the things about Hanukkah people get wrong and like how we fix that. Basically. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, since we have you here, I have to ask, like, have you had a favorite holiday premiere that's came on yet? I feel like Um, the world of holiday Um, made for TV movies is kind of a dumpster fire right now. Yes. Have you enjoyed anything? So, like, I'm going to watch a whole bunch. I'm away at right now. But when I get back, I'm going to be, like, diving right into a bunch of them because there are really some really cool ones that I want to see. The one that I am most excited about, um, because I am that predictable individual, um, is called Hanukkah on Rye. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is the, the the one about the two Jewish delis. But there's, like, there's a whole bunch of Hanukkah ones that I want to see. And I, I'm just really excited to, like, watch them and see, like, because every year in a lot of ways, Hallmark sort of has been showing like has been much more innovative and have been aware of their audiences and what the, the one with tyler hines this year the the three of them was it andrew walker tyler hines, that i really want to see that one yeah that looks good i think it comes on this weekend okay so i will be yeah it looks really good to rerun then on sunday because i'm i guess i I'm, you know i'm i'm proud of all of i feel like there's movies coming from everywhere so I mean, yeah. I pretty much am Hallmark Lifetime and Up TV, but I forget Netflix has them. Hulu has them. Discovery Plus even has them. Okay, we're getting like Food Network stars popping know, in was... holiday movies. <laughs> it does not always work out the best, no. but I mean, kudos to them for trying. 
Yeah. So not gonna Pioneer Woman was in one last year, and I was like, yep. I love you, Re, but you cannot act. No, exactly. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. I'm not gonna lie. I was I was slightly disappointed to see that the movie Def Goldman is in is not a Hanukkah movie, and I was like, what? I was like, dude. <laughs> The joy of, of watching him in um, the Guy Fieri competition show, um, the home delivery edition, the Hanukkah one a couple of years ago, like was just kind of fantastic. It was like, and I was like, yeah. what? Like I could see this guy in, you know, this version of Duff in a Hanukkah movie. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell everybody where they can keep up with you online. So um, my website is stacyagdern.com. Um, I am on Instagram as S. Agdern and TikTok as S. Agdern. Um, I am also on Twitter um, as NYStacy and Stacy A. Agdern on Facebook. And you can sign up for my newsletter, um, the MailChimp link in uh, the bio that I have both at Instagram and at Twitter. Are you enjoying TikTok or what? Um, so I'm enjoying watching the content that other people post. I have not gotten <laughs> over the... The, the hurdle of posting stuff myself. Um, one of my best friends is posting content with her dogs and like, it's adorable. And I watch like other authors like do some really cool stuff. I know Sophia Henry has done some really interesting stuff. Um, and I just, and I love like, I love watching all of the content. Um, I'm not necessarily sure what I'm going to be able to do, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if, if that inevitably happens. But I just, I love watching yeah. it. Yeah. I feel for y'all because like, I mean, Aaron and I have heard countless times just from chatting with authors like someone in the big publishing world is telling you guys like tiktok sells books which it does i mean we can't deny it but like it's also super huge so it's like you could be making content but like how do you actually reach your readers in this world that is so huge i don't know i don't know how you guys do it i think nothing is a sure thing ever and i think um if you're making the content, you're doing it because you found something that you want to say and do. And I think that's the best thing. And yeah. it's hard as hell. Like I respect everybody who's, you know, who's making constant degree of contact. I probably should be better at it. Um, but I will say I'm doing a series of Instagram, like I'm doing a series of Instagram lives in December um, with a bunch of really cool authors. So including Marcella Bell, who's um, Hanukkah presents. I am deliriously excited to dive into when I get home. Okay, I feel like we have to read it and we have to come back and talk about it. Yes, <laughs> yes definitely. We yes, we like, love Marcella. We love Marcella. Marcella is awesome, <laughs> and the fact that like her book was the first Hanukkah presents. Yeah, incredible, right? Twenty twenty two. Exactly. <laughs>